I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every hour I need you. What a powerful reminder. John, thank you for leading us. Angela, Catherine, and Brent, thank you this morning. As we continue to worship him through the preaching of his word, I'm going to encourage you to go and find a Bible and a pen and a piece of paper. If you don't already have that, you can pause the video right now to be able to find that and come back and turn with me to one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is a passage that has been most notably uh, turned into the song that we heard even in worship today, A Mighty Fortress is My God. It, it is Luther's uh, most famous hymn that it was written in the 16th century. And it's words that still resound with a powerful truth for you this morning and for me also. Uh, read with me in your copy of God's Word, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. After my sophomore year in college, I spent 10 weeks as a summer missionary in the country of Wells. Uh, many of you are, are familiar with Wells. I, I was serving in a small Welsh-speaking village called Bala. And when I was there, I got to learn Welsh in the morning and to be able to engage at, in uh, personal evangelism. Some of it was in Welsh. I still remember sort of the way I would introduce myself to someone that was living in that community to invite them to a Thursday night Bible study that we were doing. I, I would start the conversation like this, David Dweed, Dween Dusky Cymraeg, Dween Gweithio and Kala which is simply, my name is David, I'm studying Welsh, and I am living at the college here in Bala. And then you could imagine uh, someone would maybe think that I could speak a little bit more Welsh than that and start into a conversation with me and I would have to just kind of raise my hands up and say, I'm sorry, that's, that's all I have here. That's the only Welsh party trick that I have. But I loved my time there in Wales and I learned so much about the broadness of the body of Christ and the richness of uh, just uh, other communities of faith there in the UK. Uh, one of the things about Wales that maybe you know is it's just a beautiful place to visit. You have these rolling hills, and you have this mountainous terrain, and you have in Wells, one of the most famous tourist attractions that you would find is, uh, at one time, there were over 600 castles in Wells. Now, right now, there are only 100 that are still standing, but sort of the castle capital of the UK. Uh, one of the most famous capitals, or one of the most famous castles there in Wells is Carnarvon. Carnarvon uh, was famous in uh, the Crown series. I don't know if you're watching that on Netflix, but in 1969, Prince Charles, his investiture was there. And so you can maybe even see a picture of it here. 
But that castle is a castle that if you tour it, you, you will hear the tour guide say something like this. The castle as you see it right now, it was completed in 1330 and it was besieged in 1485. It's one of those reoccurring themes. Every time you go to a castle and you visit these different castles in the landscape of Wells, you will hear that familiar refrain, completed such and such date, besieged in such and such date. It's a strange irony, isn't it, that these human monuments to strength, these human monuments to uh, what was considered at that time to be impenetrable, all of them have a narrative of how they were sacked. All of them, as these mighty fortresses, were ultimately sacked. They were ultimately besieged by invaders. Uh, they were really, if you think about it, they're all of these monuments of false hopes and all of these monuments of failed achievements. Uh, Psalm 46 is a portrait of contrast. Here is a castle that cannot be sacked. Here is a fortress that can never be besieged. Here is our hope, the mighty fortress who is our God. I want you to write down three truths that would have sustained the nation of Israel as they heard this psalm, and there are three truths that continue to sustain us as we think of the strength and fortitude, fortitude of our God. Psalm 46 was a song of praise. It was a song of praise specifically for the Israelites when they were besieged, when they were going through times where there were foreign enemies that were beating down their walls. Uh, many scholars would, would look to 2 Kings chapter 18 through 19 for the historical context of this passage here as the Assyrians were beating on the gates of Jerusalem, calling out taunts there to King Hezekiah and to the residents of Jerusalem. But in that time, this psalm of praise was a psalm that looked back to God's deliverance of his people in that time of difficulty. In Psalm 46, we see three truths. The first truth that I want you to hold on to this morning is a truth about God. God is our ever-present strength. The psalmist wants us to trust God as our strength. He wants us to trust God as our protector. He's not only our protector, he's not only our strength, but he is omnipresent. He is ever-present. Notice with me in verse 1, in verse 7, and verse 11, this truth repeated at the beginning of the psalm, in the middle of the psalm, and at the end of the psalm. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Do you see that in verse 1? Look with me in verse 7. There in the middle, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Then finally in verse 11, at the very end, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our what? Notice the repetition, is our fortress. Here in the psalm, in the beginning, in the middle, in the end, we have these two important truths to hold on to that God is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is omnipotent and he is omnipresent. In this passage here, you see the tense of the verbs. Notice that we don't read God was, nor do we read God will be. In verse 1, we read God is. In verse 11, the Lord of hosts is. And then in finally, um, verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. And then finally in verse 11, the God of Jacob is our fortress. 
Notice that he doesn't say God was, nor does he say God will be. You see, this isn't a psalm where the psalmist is looking back in the past tense only to say that God was at one time with us, nor is he looking in this great by and by in the future that one day God will be with us. No, this is a present tense reality for the psalmist. This is something that he wants us to hold on to, that he is with us and he is our strength. This is a present reality, not something just to reminisce about or uh, even something to look forward to, but rather this is good news for right now. We are all having to get used to the phrase social distancing and what that looks like for each of us with our work schedules and what that looks like even for our extended families and even, even closer friends and family members. In the day of social distancing, which we need to do, there's no denying that we need to do that today for our health and the health of others, especially those who are vulnerable. It's very important for us to be reminded from this psalm this very morning that God never socially distanced himself from us, his children. That there isn't a distance between us and God. When we turn to him, he is right now your omnipotent God. He is right now your omnipresent God. He is with you and he is your strength in you and all around you. He tells us that he will be with us even to the very end of the age. So take hope even if you might feel isolated right now. Take hope even if you feel distance from those that you love the, the most, that God is with you and he is your fortress. Notice with me, number one, in this passage, that God is our ever-present strength, but also notice with me, secondly, this morning, that God is our ever-present hope. I love the way this passage moves with that powerful therefore in verse two. In light of who God is, he's our omnipotent God, he is our omnipresent God, therefore we will not fear. Therefore we will not fear. Verses two through three give this portrait of absolute earthly chaos. The best CGI special effects of Steven Spielberg would have to be employed in 2020 to pull off what the psalmist is describing here. He, he is describing a cataclysmic event. He's describing something that shouldn't happen. The mountains, earth's human castles, or what? In this passage, they're being toppled into the sea. The earth is moving under their feet. And what the psalmist wants you to see is that while chaos is reigning on earth, heaven is anxiety-free. Notice in verse 4, the psalmist speaks of the city of God. Now, there's an earthly connection to this. He, he's talking about Jerusalem, but it's not just the earthly Jerusalem that he's talking about. He's talking about in this passage here the habitation of God, the heavenly realms. He, he's looking forward to the new Jerusalem, uh, the new heaven and the new earth, but, he, but he's talking even right now about where God reigns right now. Where is that? It's in heaven. And what the psalmist wants you to hold on to is that while on earth the waters of earth might rage, in heaven there is a heavenly river that flows through the city of God that is absolutely tranquil. There is a portrait of chaos on earth that is contrasted with the portrait of peace in heaven. 
God's throne, even while there's chaos on earth, is immune to change. God's throne, even while there is change on earth, is immune to chaos. It reminds me, many of you are familiar with the the Dutch author the beginning of the 20th century, right there around World War II, her famous book, The Hiding Place, Corrie ten Boom, she is, is quoted saying that there is never panic in heaven. Let me say that again. There is never panic in heaven. Now that's good news for you. It's good news for me. How would it be good news if verse 5 and verse 7 talks about how uh, God is with us even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of earthly change, it is good news to be reminded that he is our fortress and he is unmoved even when things are moving all around us that we do not have control over. So in Psalm 46, we see that God is our ever-present strength. We discover that God is our ever-present hope. And finally this morning, I want you to hold on to the truth of, of Psalm 46 as we come to the conclusion of the psalm. In verses 8 through 11, God is our ever-present king. He's not just our strength. He's not just our hope, but he's Lord of lords, and he is king of kings. Now, in this passage here, in verses 8 through 9, we, we read of what God calls us. Notice again in your copy of God's word, he brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Now, I think we need to go back to that original context that I told you about. In 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19, we have this picture of what maybe most scholars believe is the historical background around Psalm 46. You have in that story, you have the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, who sends in his chief commander, who is literally taunting at the walls of Jerusalem. He's taunting the king, Hezekiah, and he's saying to the citizens, don't trust Hezekiah. Don't listen to him. He says that your God can save you, but I'm here to tell you that no God has been able to stand up to us, the Assyrians. Could you imagine living in the walls of Jerusalem and hearing this foreign uh, invading army who is bloodthirsty outside uh, hurling taunts at you, trying to uh, intimidate you. And here we have in 2 Kings chapter 18 through 19 that Hezekiah is unmoved. He goes to the prophet Isaiah and Isaiah says, God will deliver you his people and deliver them he does. Angel of the Lord comes in the night and swoops down and 185,000 Assyrian invaders are killed. Here, most likely, Psalm 46 looks back to that time where God brings about, uh, he brings about victory over this foreign invading army here. And what the psalmist wants us to hold on to is he wanted to remind the Israelites, even in that moment, is that desolations on this earth are under his sovereign will, that God is in control even when it seems difficult all around us. He wants us to hold on to the truth that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that life at times can feel sort of like this runaway roller coaster that we don't have any control over. 
Uh, we're just at the whim of the designer of the roller coaster. We're at the whim of the twist and the turns and the flips. But what we need to be reminded of from Psalm 46 is, is that God is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign designer even when we cannot trace all of the whys to what He allows. Our response, well, you see it in the passage, don't you? Our response to him as the sovereign king is verse 10, most likely one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Notice what the psalmist is saying. Be still and know that I am God. It's oftentimes translated as an invitation to meditation, an invitation to Thoreau's Walden Pond, to go off into isolation and find a, a cabin of seclusion. And certainly there is truth to that. There's times that we need to meditate upon who God is. But really in the context of Psalm 46, what, what the psalmist is saying is, is be alert, stand still, quit looking around, Focus on me and who I am, even when there seems to be chaos all around you. Be still and know that I am God. Know that I'm the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. I will be exalted on the earth. I am your fortress. Much has changed this last week for many of us that are watching today. Much has changed in how we worship. We long to worship together. We, we long to, to move past these precautions of social distancing. But I want you to hear me clearly from Psalm 46 here. No matter what has changed in your life, this hasn't changed. God is still on his throne. He is still sovereign. He is still all-powerful. And he is still ever present. This truth, my friends, is our hope. I can't preach Psalm 46 and not tell you just how personal this psalm is, how God has used this psalm to be an assurance in, in my own life, in my family's life. I've told the story before. I graduated from Beeson Divinity School and Danielle and I went and we started pastoring in the first church that I would pastor in, in Pascagoula, Mississippi, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. 2005, Hurricane Katrina comes, and there we had five feet of water in our church. 95% of our church members lost the majority of their possessions. Our parsonage, where we lived, was three miles inland, but we had uh, four feet of water in our house. It's eerie to have one shingle missing and have to take all of your possessions, certainly the majority of them, and pull them out and stack them in your front yard uh, to be able to throw away. Everything about it's unsettling in so many ways. When I came into the house for the first time, I climbed over the refrigerator that had floated into the doorway before the living room. There we had a piano that the floodwaters had washed up over and pulled off a hymnal that Danielle was using. And a hymnal fell in such a way that it was open to the song that we sung this morning, A Mighty Fortress is our God. The first passage of scripture that I read in my house is Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That next Sunday that we gathered together, we gathered together not in our sanctuary, it was just 
ransacked by the floodwaters and the pews were on top of one another, but we had gutted out our fellowship hall and we had set up the fellowship hall with folding chairs and a remnant that was able to gather together that first Sunday. We worshiped together and it was a powerful time of worship. It was a time with all of the passages that I could have opened to God's word and turned to that morning. I, I turned to Psalm 46. And I stood before that beleaguered congregation with no electricity, but a whole lot of uncertainty. And I said, there is no hesitation. I know without a shadow of a doubt that God still is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You preferably have electricity, but I tell you this, you have a whole lot of uncertainty there has been a new normal that everybody is trying to find. I'm not really sure we're going to be able to find that anytime soon. But in the midst of the uncertainty that surrounds us, this I am certain of. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that this passage is true. It's true at all times of our life. There is no circumstance of our life that precludes the truth of your strength, your presence, you as the sovereign king that is our hope no matter the circumstances that surround us. I pray that every person that is watching this morning would be encouraged by the word of God in their life. I pray that every person that is watching today would turn to you as you are their only source of true security. Many people have had uh, their life ransacked by the circumstances around them. They, they felt that their home was impenetrable to what has really occurred in these last few days. And they maybe are unsettled a bit. Maybe they're uncertain of where to turn. I pray that every person that is watching today we know that you, the mighty God, sent your son, sent your son to give us hope even in the face of, of a, a sin-invaded life. That if we would turn to you, we can know this strength, we can know this presence, we could know this hope through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. So I pray today that we would live in light of this passage, that we would turn to you for the true source of security, the true source of hope. We pray this in the name of your saving son, in the name of Jesus. Amen.